everybody, welcome to another Corner Conversation. Today we're talking, continuing our conversation about and through the book of John as Jesus comes into the temple and flips some tables. Happy Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's like 14 below zero. I haven't thrown a disc in a thousand years. Bike where? Where would I have biked? Zach hasn't left this block in two days. (laughs) (laughs) It's been 84 years since I've left Thomas Avenue. Yeah, I biked today. Yeah, you, yeah, you're, 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 you were proud of that, but you're actually just telling everyone you're dumb. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind. I've seen other bikers, yeah, except the difference between you and other bikers is other bikers wear a full balaclava and probably... Is that a thing? Probably baklava? Hand, like the tree? No, not the dessert. Bal- They're wearing the pastry? A balaclava. <laughs> it's the it's this little neck gaiter thing, but it's one that also goes up over your head. No, I, I wear two hoods and ski goggles. Yeah, except your lips are wide open to the wind. No, uh, my coat zips up. <sighs> it's great. Anyway, um... <laughs> Hey, it'll it'll all change eventually. It'll get Next warm. week. No, it's never getting warm. Next week. Next week I'm wearing shorts. As soon as it crests 30, 30 I am wearing shorts. That's not till next Saturday. Whatever. It's close enough. That's soon. Can't That's wait. Soon. And then we'll be in Texas three weeks from now, guys, in 60, 70 degree weather, which is going to feel way too hot. Can't wait for that. Way too hot is the word. It's going to be perfect. We go to Texas once a year for a church planning conference. And uh, we're looking forward to spending a lot of time together, learning and growing and exploring Houston. And playing disc golf. Playing disc golf. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we're trying to get Scott to get up with us at quarter to six in the morning. And he hasn't, he hasn't said yes yet. He'll be up, but he'll be doing something else. He'll be eating eggs. What? Oh, that's so weird. Um, today, Greg and I walked into, we're at Corner Coffee Camden. And we walked in here, and uh, there are, nobody is out in downtown Minneapolis. I've never, it's yeah. one of those, it's totally empty. Well, we found out that they are all here. They're all here. Which normally a Friday afternoon at Camden is not this. But today it is. Well, and it used to. Friday afternoons used to be busy. I just can't figure out what it was today. Maybe people just got really sick of the tire, sick and tired of the cold, and they just said, we're going we're gonna to go through it anyway. I don't know. Because it's not a warm day. It is a nice day outside. It looks nice, but it's cold. Um, what else is what, what else has been happening? Oh, we have connection groups starting up oh yeah, that's really quick. That's, so yeah. if you're part of the corner world or if you're interested in joining the corner world, uh, connection See, groups I, are I would, a good thing I would to jump venture into. out beyond even just the corner world is that there is uh, most churches for a long time have had some degree of small group thing. Yeah. And Oftentimes, the qualifier is like, I wonder if they're doing anything cool. Yeah. Um, and doing is so much a insignificant part of what makes a small group, a connection group, a connect group, whatever a church community calls it. Mm. What you do has less importance as to, man, do something with people. And if, if you forgot how to do stuff with people in the mm. last 11 months, you should try, try again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the goal is not that you would do a bunch of corner church stuff, but that you would connect. And there's all kinds of ways. We have book clubs and, I don't want to call it a club, we have book groups and yeah. a donut and walking group and take conversations a donut for a walk. galore. Yeah, take, so good. take your donut for a walk. 
<laughs> so clever. <laughs> Put a leash on it. I, I did just send a text message to Greg and Zach of a picture of Zach with a man bun. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> it wasn't a bun right then. I did bun it at points, but it was it was like more the like really bad... Called the slightly overweight ninja hair. <laughs> Were you thicker back then? I was. Look I was, at him. Look at the chunk. Look at the chunk. Look at the cheek. It's crazy that I weighed less in that picture than I do now. That's crazy. I literally weighed less in that picture than I do now. It must have been a lot of fluffy. It was something. I mean, we just had a baby, okay? I don't think that's how that works. I don't think that works for you. Post-pregnancy weight, right? Mm. Well, we've been talking our way through the book of John, and uh, our continual emphasis in this is that the book of John needs to be processed, needs to be talked about, and uh, it's something that's really good to do in community, uh, should be studied, and again, it should be something that uh, is great to do in community and conversation. And uh, today we come to a moment in narrative in the book of John that is found really early in in this book and later in the other Gospels, but where Jesus walks into the temple and is disruptive. Yeah. Not like what, do, what do you think it would have been like if you were one of his disciples in that moment? Uh, I know what I would feel. I, I would... I mean, you don't get awkwardness as I much as... I don't feel uncomfortable with many things, but when somebody I really like and respect is doing something I don't understand. <laughs> In a public space <laughs> with authorities? Yeah, I, I, I've i thought about it quite a bit. I feel like I would have, which is a weird feeling, but I feel like I would have embarrassment. Yeah, especially if you like gave up your entire life to follow this guy, and then everybody that you think has authority <laughs> yeah. is seeing him experience this. I mean, that really puts you in into a strange yeah. box. And, and a big part of this narrative, like the pivot right in the middle of this part of the narrative, is that it says that the disciples, the writer, John, goes, and by the way, we didn't get this until after he had died and risen again. And so there were years of them going, potentially, it, it probably was just months, but uh, there, was, there was an extended period of time where they went, well, what was going on there? Yeah. And then, you know, they have this moment where uh, you're... They're talking about it after Jesus had risen, and they go, man, you remember that stupid time? <laughs> man, he said he was going to tear down the temple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Remember, guys, yeah. when Jesus was in the temple? I, we didn't get it? Now, do you get it? That's yeah. crazy. I That would be me, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the picture of that should be that as John's objective is that we would see that Jesus is the Messiah and that there's life and relationship with him, uh, that there is going to be this aspect of getting the whole cumulative big picture is, is really, really important. And I think that's a complex reality with the scale of what who God is, but also how we, in modern world, try to wrap our heads around who God is. You know, we, we do 30-minute sermons. We do... Read a chapter of scripture every once in a while. All these things. How do we get cumulative understanding, yeah. especially retrospect cumulative understanding yeah. of who God is? Well, I mean, it's even how we try to understand our own lives. So we go through this in moments. You can be like, I don't understand why this is happening. 
I don't understand why this is hard, why this is this part was easy, why this was given to me, why this was taken from me. Yeah. And then it's so easy after the fact to look back and then tell it in this story. Like, everything just lined up. It was meant to be. Like, that door closed so that another door could be open. Like, it's easy for us to, to create that story. Yeah. Sounds like a great topic to write 90s Christian songs about. <laughs> <laughs> Open the door, tell me your story. Uh, I knew that was a dangerous thing to bring up. Yeah. So as we as we dig into this, Jesus walks in, and I think it's it's so important. And I've been wrestling a lot with this, just with, and I don't even know if we're gonna really, we're not gonna get all of this out. But you know, as Jesus is disrupting the temple and then we see again him making this declaration that he is the temple and just seeing the beauty of that but also seeing the complexity of him being this connection point this place of forgiveness this place of worship this place of tradition and uh, Jesus tearing down the ill of that and then rebuilding a new yeah I, it's important too because I think the I don't think often in scripture do you get this moment where a story's told and then the author of the story goes, this is what it meant. But this is one of those moments that yeah. John goes, this is the story and we didn't get it, but now we get it. Hmm. And uh, it's like this this really emphasis of like what's important in this story yeah. is understanding what Christ meant when he said he was going to tear down the temple and rebuild it. Yeah. I think about when Joy and I have had... When we first started dating, we wrote little love notes to each other all the time. Do you still have them? <clears throat> we do, yeah. We still have pretty much all of them. We've written far fewer notes in recent history, but every so often we'll do like a five-year, write a letter, put it in an envelope, put a date on it, and then open it in that future date. And I think about those letters, how they have like... So much pressure. Yeah, there's like pressure to it of like, how can I sum up... Every moment that we've experienced and everything that we'll talk about in the next five years and every hope that I have into this one letter. And then you you open them up and Joy writes this beautiful thing uh, yeah. and you wrote like, dude, you're hot. Yeah. P.S. You're five. You are a QT. <laughs> yeah. But just like the, you know, I could take one piece of the letter and hyper focus on it and forget the rest. Uh, but even then, there's like retrospect in opening this letter and looking back and being like, wow, here's an idea that we had five years ago, but time has been the thing that has really changed it. Like, really, this is different than what we wrote down five years ago, and that's good. Yeah. So Jesus sees an aspect of the temple, what's happening in the temple. It's Jerusalem. It's like uh, Super Bowl week. Because it's the Passover in Jerusalem, everybody's there. He walks in, he's uh, disturbed by what he sees, and then he flips it. And another aspect that I, it's a big part of what I'm going to be talking about this, this Sunday and encouraging in conversation, is this... John is, has many hyperlinks as you would look at different things. He goes, I'm referring back to, uh, it's, it's parallel to this. And his clearing of the temple, this cleaning is, was a, in the reader's mind and, and Jewish mind, it would be a clear hyperlink back to the clearing, the cleaning of the house before the Passover. Here was this, it was timed. It just says right in the beginning of this 
The story says it was just a few days before Passover. So here's the cleaning moment. Well, they would clean their house of yeast, and yeast is a yeast and leaven is a recurring theme throughout Scripture, and it's little or subtle things that have big impact, whether it be good or bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so to think about that, Jesus walked in and he recognized something that was little. And I think it's so easy to try to read the story and go, what is the really huge, obvious thing that Jesus was so upset about? But I think that uh, Jesus was addressing the subtle. Uh, was he saying that there can't be any selling of sacrifice in the temple? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think it, again the subtlety of the heart. And and so just thinking about it in our own lives, just for me, even thinking, all right, what is the power of the subtle? And uh, seeing in my relationship with God and understanding who He is and grasping what it is for Jesus to be the Messiah. What are the subtle things that are messing that up for me? I, I, I always heard, and this might not be true, that it was the thing that really set Jesus off was the selling of the sacrifice, was taking advantage of the poor. It's like buying a Coke at a stadium. <sighs> or buying your groceries at the liquor store, or the, <laughs> the small the yeah. holiday, the market, yeah, the gas stations. Yeah. And the other Gospels do refer back to the, I think it's Jeremiah, I, I should have this written somewhere in our document and I don't, but it refers back to a moment in text of, um, yeah, not not stealing from the poor. Oh, Isaiah 56. Nope. Whatever. <laughs> it's taking advantage of someone in a less than ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah from our understanding, there's a, the need for sacrifice every year at Passover, and so people would travel. I mean, potentially millions of people being in an area. And, I mean, what would it be like to try and travel a far distance with live, an- live perfect animals? Hard. So this is pretty common that animals were sold, and from understanding it was that there were sellers who were way overcharging for animals, and especially to the poor, because there were different levels of sacrifice. If you had more money, you usually gave a bigger animal, and that the poor were being really treated badly by the merchants. Hmm. Which makes this narrative even more complicated. Yeah. The key in moving from, you know, casting blame on them is to bring this back to reflect on reflective moment for us and thinking about the complexities that we bring to other people and their connecting or worshiping or giving reverence to God. And even another layer of subtleness to that is like, what are the obstacles that we're putting for ourselves in connecting, relating, having a, a reverent moment in relationship with God? That's probably the most prominent and a really a challenging one. I know that, Greg, you're, you, you've struggled with the last <laughs> question and where we walk away mm-hmm. in and from this. And uh, I, I think it's... Again, it's, it is a great question, It's but it's really challenging. It's easy to just go, I don't know. What responsibility do you have in deepening and having a deepening understanding and relationship with God? Uh, I think part of it for me was that in my Christian experience, belief in God was viewed or taught, or my understanding of it, probably the best way to say it, it was this thing I did one time. Yeah. 
But then you hear the story of these disciples who were following Christ, hmm. but didn't understand what the heck was going on in this moment. And it was only later after his death they go, oh, we get what he was saying now. Yeah. And like, what if, what if in our following of Christ, in our relationship with Christ, what if we are okay with having those moments of like, I don't know, I don't really know. And then hopefully someday we're able to look back and be like, oh, that's what, that's what that meant. He, there's there is a challenge in that that maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's new or not, but if something is unclear or uh, even would point to some of its errors or whatever it would be, it's very easy to just go, well, not this. I quit. And here the disciples apparently had something they didn't understand for a long time or for a period of time, and they didn't quit. Yeah, it was okay. And I think that's, isn't that what belief and faith are? Yeah. Is, is being able to be okay with that? Being able to hold both the things you don't understand and the things you know to be true, uh, holding those things together. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have, I, I was thinking too about like a takeaway, some of these final questions and that. And I was thinking that with the retrospect and picture and it all being in process and even our responsibility is, uh, um, you know, what are the things in our lives, what are the subtle things in our life that, um, I, I, I don't know, I'm trying to wrap my head around the theology of this, but that if Jesus would come in and flip us, go, oh, this is, this is messed up, and we would just go, I don't get it, why this is such a big deal, you know, you know what are those things, what are those things that have, how have they happened in the past? So it's something that, that God does, and, uh, and what is our responsibility in moving away from those moments? Is there something that makes, that's subtle in us that would, uh, uh, that we need some retrospect understanding now? Yeah. Well, it's like the, the tension I feel in that is that even though Jesus flipped the tables in these moments and the disciples didn't know, uh, didn't know what he was talking about, it didn't really change anything it didn't change their following of him it didn't change yeah. he didn't go you guys don't understand this you guys you can't be here anymore you like disqualified yourself by not understanding and i feel like we self-disqualify so often we get to these moments where like ah oh, this is really hard and maybe it's just not for me and so i'm just gonna give up yeah and the religious authorities they didn't go they didn't again in this narrative john is so intentional they didn't there isn't an expressed dis, like disdain that he did these things. Oh, you did something so wrong and terrible. No, yeah. it was who gave you who gave right. you the authority to do this? Yeah. And so, I I just been really trying to like wrap my head around that. Is this a moment that the religious authorities were going? Yeah, we know, but who do you think you don't have the authority to do it? We don't even have the authority to say what's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a huge aspect in in everybody's my everybody's life too is to go um, in the things that disrupt us the things that are subtle the things that are um, a little twisted or off and it may have direct parallel to what was happening here in the temple and it may be way off from it but um, to to look at God instead of saying you know you have no uh, 
why are you messing things up for me, all the, whatever, but to say, you know, what authority do you have? Hmm. Where is the authority to, to challenge, to push, to, to, to nudge me or to disqualify me or whatever? It's, uh, who gives God that right? And uh, something changes in our perspective of God's calling and to life change when we truly realize that what Jesus said, oh, I'm in a, I'm this temple torn down and rebuilt in three days. I, I will die and rise again for the forgiveness of your sins. Gives a different voice to a call. Yeah. It's hmm. good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really does speak to the purpose of John's letter again, all the way back to his purpose of that you would hear these stories about who Jesus is and believe that he's a Messiah and find life in him. And uh, it's easy for us in our cultural context to read ourselves into the stories a lot. But I think the question I often ask myself is, instead of trying to read myself into the story, am I correctly seeing who God is and who Jesus is in these stories? Yeah. And keeping that perspective helps me to see that, yeah, Jesus really is the Messiah. He really is alive and there really is life in him and even if I don't have all the understanding or the answers to it that's my belief that's my process point yeah and the flip of it though I like to ask the question too like who you know who am I in this narrative and I would like to say I'm the disciple Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm probably most likely for me I'm the religious authority going God what gives you the right yeah and that's not very comfortable and then, process. and maybe the other half of the time, I'm the person who is uh, needs my table flipped. Great, <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Again, uh, this is the heart, the focus about what we do in these this podcast and these conversations is to talk a little bit about what's happening behind the message and the conversation. And uh, we'd encourage you as you read scripture, as you connect with other people and talking about spiritual realities, is to uh, not just aim at the surface, but bring what's happening behind to the surface and grow and be changed in that. Yeah. Talk to you later, guys.